Welcome back to the Midweek Podcast. Uh, it is a joy to be here with you, and uh, today, of course, I'm joined by Brent Bullard, the one and only, and Justin and Adelie Blunt. Thank you all for being here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks for taking time to, to be here to, to share with us today. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's our, it's our tradition on this podcast to take time to... Um, to share the story of our church members and uh, to be able to, uh, Brent, I think you described it really well uh, on a former podcast, uh, getting to, to kind of hear you explain it as shrinking the room, right? Like to, to be able to um, bridge some of those gaps and, and, and maybe expedite some of those introductions as we, you know, we, we, we post the podcast, we post a little picture of you. And, um, you know, if somebody comes to church and recognizes your, your faces and they can already go ahead and know some of, of what the Lord's done in your life. And so, uh, Justin and Natalie, thank you for, for taking time to, to share today. And so, um, we'd love to just, to just jump right into that. And so, Natalie, would you, would you mind sharing a little bit about how you came to know Christ and, um, and a little bit of your story, if you can? Okay. Um, well, I grew up mostly in Oklahoma, and um, my family um, went to church pretty much all my life. And um, when I was about six years old, I was with my grandparents, and my grandma would usually read a story, a Bible story or a Bible verse, and then um, pray before we went to bed. And we got to talking about God and Jesus and how we needed Jesus, and um, I realized then that I wanted to accept Jesus and ask him into my heart. And um, at age six, um, I realized that I needed Jesus. And as I grew up, I realized just how much I need Jesus. So, um, but then after, um, after that, and, and all up until then, um, I was in the church and through the youth group and college and everything, um, going to the youth uh, camps and everything each summer. And so just grew up and stayed in the church. All right. And a really very similar story for me. So I grew up in Carnegie, Oklahoma, which is a little town in southwest Oklahoma. And my father was the pastor of the local church, Southern Baptist Church. And so grew up in the church going every Sunday. And um, at a very young age, I was about six or so. Uh, walked the aisle at the invitation, as you do in a Baptist church, right? And I uh, went down and accepted Jesus as my Savior. And, you know, that's one of those things as a being saved at a young age are such a blessing there because you do avoid, um, you know, so many things in life that come with a really exciting testimony of maybe having this huge shift in your life. But at the same time, there's those doubts that kind of creep in of how much did I really understand at that young age? And, um, you know, but as I've gotten older and just prayed through that and thought of it, you realize how simple the gospel really is and, right. and how important grace is. And um, it doesn't require this really, really deep knowledge. And so I grew up in the church um, just like Adelie did and um, never really had any crisis of faith um, through that. So you are, I think you're, are you the only couple that's both? Okies, you're both from Oklahoma. Is that right? That I know of, yes. And surely we can't be the only ones, I wouldn't think, in Texas, because a lot of us Okies flee Oklahoma and come down here to Texas. To the promised land. That's what my grandpa called it, the promised land. So how how did you all end up uh, getting to know each other, and then how did the Lord end up bringing you to the Nacogdoches and Grace Bible? 
You want me to tell it or you? <laughs> Okay, so th this is going to sound bad at first, but it's not. So my brother, who was a youth minister at Adelie's church, introduced me to her. But Adelie was in college helping with the youth. He wasn't, he wasn't introducing me to his youth kids. Um, so she was a, a college worker. There was a local university there, and so she was in college and helping with the youth, and my brother introduced me to her. Um, I was going to college across the state at OSU. Uh, but we hit it off, and so I transferred to southwestern Oklahoma State, where we both went. Oh, wow. um, we got married pretty sure, what, six months or so after we met. We got engaged and got married not too much thereafter. And then um, lived in Thomas for a while. After undergrad, I decided I wanted to go to law school and got accepted to Baylor. And so we came down to Texas to go to law school. Um, and lived in, I practiced law in Waco for what, seven or eight years or so, and we lived there. And then in 2012, I knew I wanted to make a career shift and got a job at SFA to be a professor in business law. And so we moved to NAC after that had been here ever since. Yeah, and you forgot to mention that we had a baby right before we moved here. And uh, that's so, right. Um, I always like to tell that story because um, Amelia was born in September and we moved to Nacogdoches in January, uh, December. I moved oh, wow. here in December. Um, Justin came very quickly thereafter. He was supposed to have yeah. a two-week. Um, anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but um, as I was telling people that we were going to be moving from Waco to Nacogdoches, which was going to be even farther from our family, I always had a piece about it. And when we moved from Oklahoma to Waco, I was not very happy about that move. But um, the Lord, I think, especially having a new baby, um, helped you know, bring that peace and mm. know that this is where we should be. And even with a little one making the move was, was the right, right option. So very good. So how did you all end up getting connected at, at, at Grace Bible? You got married as college students, if I understood you correctly. Yes. So you got married young and how did you clearly cleave together? Well, well <laughs> enough to, yeah. to make it through having a baby and then moving here to, to Nacogdoches, shifting careers to work at SFA. Oh, we were, so yeah, she moved here a little bit before me because I had to finish up my job and she went and visited one other church. And then as soon as I came here, so we'd both grown up in Baptist churches, but um, her dad and her grandfather had both been at Bible churches and knew we wanted to be at a church, you know, that had good sound theology and taught the Bible. And so just came across Grace Bible Church looking and they were kind of second on our list of churches we were going to look at, came and really just fell in love with it really quick and never went and visited another church. Um, we were at a Sunday school class. Uh, I remember Rick Hurst was there, Mike Stroop, and it was a multi-generational Sunday school class. And we loved that coming from a really, really big church where the Sunday school classes were all segmented um, by like age. It was like, here's the young marrieds and in Waco. You know, in Waco, yeah, and college kids and everything. And not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but we just really kind of craved that family feel of being with people at different ages than us. Growing up in Oklahoma, where yeah. you have a tiny church and everybody's pretty much together, you yeah. know, you have that multi-aged mm -hmm. um, facet. And yeah. Yeah, so, so we just never looked back after that. We just loved it and have loved it ever since. That's neat. Yeah, that brings to two minds, the two key multi-generational. Our church, praise God, is multi-generational. We have a lot of college students. We have a lot of uh, Lord's blessing us with a bit of a baby boom, which is cool. So we've got people all different ages and seasons. Uh, so you all are involved. Uh, Justin, you you help to teach uh, the Chapel Sunday School class, a multi generational class, and then and then of course also you uh, 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 and Jeff Rab uh, help to bring leadership as well to our Sunday night small group at the Rab's house. Uh, 
<clears throat> that's a multi-generational small group as well. So uh, would you all tell us a little bit about that? And your uh, Amelia and Ollie are both elementary age kids, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so can you all give us some insights into that? Uh, you've, you've had that as a part of your roots, multi-generational ministry. And, and I know they'll attend Sunday school with you from time to time, right? Yep. Yep. I don't want to monopolize time. You want to say anything for I? No, I, 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 with the Sunday school thing, Amelia and Ollie, you know, join us in there. Um, and not only do I feel like they get the benefit of having to sit through maybe something they don't really enjoy sitting through, yeah. <laughs> the, you can tell that the older people in the Sunday school class just love having them there. They talk with them, mm -hmm. they interact with them. Huge. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think for me, um, and, and I know for the kids, I think that's just a blessing that you can't you know, create, you, you have to, you know, be there amongst those people. So, um, I, I think that's a big blessing yeah. for them. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's multiple things. So both of us growing up in a small community, uh, the church really is kind of the hub of family, uh, you know, and everybody getting together and you had potlucks and cause they're just, the town she grew up in was 800 people. Mine was a little over a thousand. There's not a whole lot else to do. Yeah. And so there's some division by age there, but frankly, there's just not enough people to have too much. Yeah. And um, we both cherish that. And I think being here away from our family, um, also the, the church is our family. And so we really like and value being around people that are a different stage in life um, than we are. Um, most of the folks in the Sunday school class I helped teach with Bill Flynn are quite a bit older than us. And so we just have this wonderful group of surrogate grandparents um, for my kids. And yeah, and there's this, I don't want to sound too much against modern church stuff where we kind of have ages segregated because again, it makes sense at times. And I think there's also just beauty and yeah, like kids sitting through a big church service that they don't understand everything, but some of it's seeping in. Yeah. Um, you know, there are questions that Amelia asked me. I see her take notes occasionally from the service and the discipline of sitting there and kind of being bored at times. Right. There's just, I think we're both kind of old fashioned people and we just see a lot of beauty in that. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, we just really enjoyed it, both at the small group as, as well as on Sunday mornings, just interacting with people and learning wisdom from folks that are walking through a different period of their life uh, than we are. That's healthy. It's healthy to, you know, the last Sunday of the month when we do have our family service, it is so exciting to, to preach and to see kids that are taking notes or even coloring mm -hmm. or sitting and you'll see them from time to time look up, you know, or kind of look to their parent and like to see different things connect. And to hear even from our, our boys, our pre-K boys that are, uh, you know, little things that, that stick in, if it's a baptism or whatever it is that, that distracts their hearts to bring curiosity, how the mm -hmm. Spirit uses that that in their life. You know, I would ask you, Adelie, you you are, uh, uh, and you've got your own uh, home business that you have, right? <laughs> and But you uh, you stay at home, but you, uh, you have been pivotal in Reggae Elementary School with your kids. You've been very active there, and that brings the credibility in COVID times and things like that, where we've been unable, with the charter school and, and Reggae Elementary being so close to our campus, we've tried intentionally to, to build relationships there with the administration and the staff and bless them uh, and, and build relationships there and, and try and steward that toward Christ. Uh, and so, but in this time, we've not been able to go in, but, but parents, key parents like you, I think Lori Pesto, some others, that, uh, that have great influence there because your ability to serve and uh, to be involved and to give time to be invested there. Uh, what kind of insights would you all give? As you said, you're away from home. Nacogdoches, we found, uh, as Steve and I are in our short time here, we found there's a lot of people like that that don't have family, 
within an hour or two drive. I mean, it was a bit of a drive to get the family, but you all, I think, modeled pretty well. You, you're trying to put roots down in this community. You're trying to get involved. You're getting, you know, you're spending time with people, not just at the church, but also in the community. Uh, what's been a part of your heart in deciding to do that, in trying to get to know your kids' schools, trying to get to know the teachers, all those things? Um, I don't know. I, I, for me, I think it just goes back to that's kind of how we were raised and how we grew up. And um, I guess you could say when I envisioned being a mom, that's what I envisioned was um, being able to help out at the school. I, being a teacher, yeah. getting to stay at home and um, be a mom and then remembering back to when I was a teacher and thinking, okay, this is what I could have used a parent for. This is what mm. I could have used mm. um, these resources. Because I, I try if I can, and, and with COVID and stuff, it's been a lot harder. But um, before COVID, I, if I just needed to cut out some laminating or, mm. you know, um, bring these snacks for the kid, you know, for the class or whatever, I wanted to try to make sure the teacher understood they could always come to me and, and let mm. me know whatever you need, you know, I know the feeling, let me know, I want to help as much as I can. Um, so just having the knowledge of what it means to be in the classroom and what those needs are. Um, and, and as the school as a whole, just, right. you know, um, uh, if, if they needed something in the office or whatever, you know, just trying to be available um, as much as possible. But like I said, with COVID, it's not quite as easy, sure. but um, I, I have the the numbers or the the emails of the teachers and I just try to occasionally just say hey is there anything you need um is there anything I can help with um and they can just stick it in the kids backpack or something and I can do it at home or whatever but um and I assure you that looks different to the teachers that yeah, oftentimes yeah. on Nyla that's a uniquely Christian ministry we don't think about it it's just a life of ministry how can I be present how can I be involved here how can I give influence knowing the Holy Spirit's in you and as you interact and minister um you know, as you kind of both balance that, the, the different components of having to be uh, away from family uh, so very far. The last two weeks, we've heard from folks that have kids that are elementary age, uh, and uh, and you've got your two kids. What have been some of the struggles as parents, but of the blessings of having elementary age kids in this in this season of life, and trying to point them toward Christ, and and the things that how the Lord's been sanctifying you in this season. I would say the things I expect to be the most challenging, I think, haven't happened yet, uh, which is just as they, uh, I think, as our society and the world continues to look more different from biblical views of what the world should look like, it's going to be navigating those really difficult conversations of this is why we believe what we believe and it's truth. And, you know, I think our kids are young enough right now and, and we you know, um, kudos to Jenny and John, all the people to the children's ministry. They have such a firm basis in that at our church that that's just very natural to them right now. But I think the real challenge is going to come here in a few years as we have to start having more delicate conversations about, yeah, what the world says about this is completely different than what we believe. And here's why, um, you know, really for right now, I would... <laughs> I think it's been pretty easy, actually. I mean, I think I feel like we're at a great church where we just have a a lot of people around us that are really invested in our kids. Like, I never have a doubt that when they go into children's ministry here, they're going to learn anything other than good, sound biblical teaching. And um, I've been at churches where that's not the case. And growing up in a pastor's family, you you get to see kind of the the bad side of ministry done poorly uh, at some churches. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've always 
I guess that's maybe the encouragement I can give folks is, you know, lean on your church. And I think we have a good church here to help with those things. And it takes a lot of those pressures off. And to piggyback on that, um, when COVID hit, the church was very uh, intent on providing resources for the kids. And that was a real blessing because we can do things at home, you know, but... When it's mom and dad doing it, it's not the same as, you know, if Mr. John sends something home and, you know, it's a little project for church or whatever. It makes it, you know, something that's yeah. not just, oh, mom and dad are giving, <laughs> giving us something to do. Yeah. So I've, I've been blessed throughout this whole time that, you know, we have our church and our church is very intentional on trying to reach as many kiddos and as many families as possible so that's made it well we we appreciate you serving in the preschool ministry i know jenny would take a bullet for you anytime (laughs) and what you've been in there and and now i remember early on when covid was first happening was i remember being a part of meetings with uh with jenny and john and and bobby and they were thinking how can we how can we help parents how can we supplement parents and because obviously the ministry in the home that's that's the primary component and, and churches to supplement that but what covid did is it exasperated kind of exposed it was yeah. like an exposure of if there wasn't things happening in the home i'm sure our education system larger seats saw this but the the homes that we're already having family worship Stephen, you've led us on two different seminars now on this and in our last men's retreat you led a training on this but the homes that were not having family worship that was just exasperated the homes that were having it though but because there was so much time together, mm-hmm. even that was becoming exasperated. Of like, it was kind of a really big mm-hmm. show. Of, we got to put some extra tools. We need to check in on our parents and families, see how they're doing, what can help. And, and I remember uh, some of the feedback we had from parents of like, we just don't want to ever Zoom again. Yeah, uh, we just want to see a human being in real three D. Yeah. Uh, so all those things. And uh, Justin, I, you know, I, I could quote you on it, but I'll let you say it. You quoted in our small group, uh, and we tried to Zoom together for a while. We, were, we started getting together. The Rabs have a great outdoor spot for us to be able to meet at. I love them. Uh, but I was so encouraged as a, as a pastor and, and trying to help lead through this with our staff team and elders. Uh, you just said, man, how great it is. You know, I'm just getting choked up here thinking about it, but you said just you're reminded how great it is to be in the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you speak to that? Yeah, yeah, so this has been the only time in my life um, – that I've ever had an extended period where I literally could not go to church. And so it was just a really, um, you know, humbling in some ways, as well as just maybe incredibly grateful of one, you just realize how important communal worship is and why God um, built us this way. I've always thought of myself as a more introverted person, which I think I am. But then you realize that we're all still social beings by nature and God glories in that. And he made us that way for a reason. And um, and then the humbling side of it was, man, when I was away from church, I, I was the worst person, I think. I think I was the worst dad and the worst husband, and you're more tired and you're stressed out, and um, you don't fully realize how much of a recharge that is being there on Sunday morning and being on other believers until you don't have it. Um, and so that was just a, a good lesson, I think, to have to learn of man, going to church is just such an important part of my life that I think I've always taken for granted because I've just always been in it. You know, growing up as a pastor's kid, that's just, that's the routine of life. You just do it. Um, But then not having it made me realize how an important part of my life it really is just from a spiritual well-being standpoint. That means the world to me. And I think part of the reason I kind of teared up thinking about this is, and Stephen, you can speak to this too, of course, but you know, the, the anxiety and the fear of trying to shepherd people and you're trying to pour yourself out, you're trying to contact people. But in reality, some, you know, a lot of people didn't respond to emails, a lot of people didn't answer calls. 
uh, and the fear of, you know, what's happened to our church? How many people are going to leave and never come back? And I think that, that exposed to my own self, my own heart, a little insecurity and fears of my failing, you know, and then the COVID exposed a lot of those. Uh, and yet then, you know, I remember that first small group, and then you saying that that was just such a, as I talked to the Lord about that afterwards, praying to him. And uh, that was, that encouraged my heart so much to be reminded, man, this is, uh, those that are his are his and uh and he's shepherding them and the spirit is providing a greater hunger in his people and uh and and though we do i do you know there we're about up to 70 percent attendance or so now we've been over a year without meeting so remember it's been a year of march when we when COVID mm-hmm. hit and so we've actually ran out of data we do try to keep track of worship attendance and groups and stuff like that and not in a not in a weird business sense, but in a, a let's well, measurable to be able to see is there some pinch points somewhere, gain some information. We're now out of 2020 data because we didn't meet for eight or 10 Sundays there, you know, so we didn't have data. So now we're comparing to 2019 data uh, and we're about 70% back, which is better than what most, it sounds like research is showing of churches being back, but it's estimated that about 30% of people that attended church beforehand are gone. Uh, and now for us, our membership we know the people that are members, almost all of them are still connected to Grace Bible. And so if they're still watching at home, we know that, and we're trying to keep them in the loop and, and love on them and, and, uh, and bless them, uh, and then bless the church the best as possible. It's hard to do, not in person, of course. But uh, there's 30% of people, those people that were maybe occasional attenders and others, 30% of those at this point are not back yet. Um, and that's not just us. That's More churches are at higher percentages than that. So to think through how many people... Uh, have a bit of Christian light or church light. Uh, They're they're a little bit churched, but they're not having what you both experienced. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Many are just, they're not there. Now, some studies right now, LifeWage did a study and it showed that a majority of people, uh, it's like 80% or so have said, when COVID is over, I intend to go back to church as much or more than I did before. But (laughs) <laughs> we'll see what happens yeah. in reality it provides a great opportunity for us to pursue people mm-hmm. but uh you know I, the reason i say all that uh is it, it was a, it's a comfort when the people of god are sensitive to the spirit to uh to articulate how they're encouraged by the lord even in hardship that encourages us more and i, and I think for me in a, in a kind of a lonely season in a in a great way Stephen, do you want to add anything to that well, you know, um, I remember when we did our 80th anniversary service and, you know, it was the first outdoor service that I've, I've probably been at in a really long time. Um, but, you know, and that created an opportunity where some people felt more comfortable to, to be there and to see some of those faces that we just hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, I got pretty emotional. Um, but then even over the past couple of weeks here recently, um, we we saw some new families come back, and I got some emails from some a, a couple that I got an email from a couple that that had their first Sunday back, and just to hear, being able to read in their email the joy of getting to come back. And this Sunday, I saw someone that was there um, that hadn't been back that I that I know of, and to start to see some of those faces, and and I know that you know. Um, those of us that felt, you know, for whatever period of time we didn't gather, you know, so, so for me, we, it was those eight or so weeks that we recorded services and then getting to, to have that first service back in person, I, I felt that like, man, I, mm-hmm. I just needed, I needed this. 
uh, to to now like seeing some people come back to to together when when they've been able to come back for their family, um, and seeing that not only the blessing for those that are rejoining, but for the church to be able to joyfully see people come back and gather together, which is you know we we talk about this COVID time in particular right now, but. Um, you, you know, as the church continues on and has continued, has has been persevering throughout the ages, uh, we've seen maybe people become estranged from the church or people drop out of the church and then they return. And we want to, I don't know, I want to continue to see what people are we going to, how many people are we going to be able to pursue hard after, you know, COVID ends, which is, I don't know, is there a date that it's going to end? I don't know. But, 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 you know, we, we may have some families to pursue hard after and to joyfully see them come back into good, into good fellowship and um, reprioritize the church, you know, I think will be joyful ministry to be able to continue in. So um, speaking of outdoor services, this is going to be Easter Sunday. Yes. Up. And uh, weather permitting, we're going to be meeting outside at 10 o'clock on one service. And that's going to be joyful to be able to. Obviously, it's we, we celebrate the risen Lord every single Sunday. But this is a special time to intentionally devote time to to remembering uh, the resurrection of our Savior. And uh, we'll get to joyfully gather together in one big gathering outside um, here this Sunday. Yeah, I can't wait. And, you know, culturally, we live in a place where Easter and Christmas still have momentum Mm -hmm. for a person that's uh, maybe more nominal in their faith. And uh, so this provides an opportunity to invite somebody that may be on the fence or somebody that may be in your life. Hey, would you like to come with us to church this Sunday? It's outdoors, right? So that kind of kills a little bit of COVID concerns. And we'll have pre-K care, of course. But uh, I think that's part of our prayer is that it would be an opportunity to to pursue some of those 30 percenters uh, Mm -hmm. that have been disjointed from congregations in this time. Uh, to pursue them and also visitors, folks that have been new to the community, that this might be an open door to be able to clearly present the gospel, but love on them, connect connect to them here. Yeah. Well, Justin and Adelie, thank you all so much for taking time to to share and to to open up with us. It's been an encouragement for my soul, and we hope that it'll be the same for the church as well. So, Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, church, we'll see you this Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, we can't wait to see you there. See you there.